By the Bank, episode 23. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. And also joining us today, actually uh, on one of our most listened to episodes a couple episodes back, I'm just now revealing that to him, so he gets the ratings, uh, is our reoccurring uh, co-host, JK3. Ba, 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 ba. Yay, man, I'm happy to be back. Uh, episode 23, he's a GOAT, Michael Jordan, favorite number. I mean, this is an appropriate podcast to have me on, guys, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you beat out uh, Mike Duraco's episode in uh, episode three, uh, so you should be proud of that. Only Michael I acknowledge is Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. then if that's the case, we don't have him back again till 45, Corey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um all right. So, uh, as always, just everybody keep in mind, we're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could do us a favor and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, we've actually picked up quite a few lately. Uh, it's certainly helpful. It just helps kind of move us up the charts a little bit. So we appreciate that. Uh, what'd you guys do for Thanksgiving? Yeah, fat. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Watching yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty much it, man. That's all you do, right? You just sit around and. Wait for those dishes that you get once a year, and then you eat them, and you eat them like the next day, and then by Saturday it's kind of like, ah, all right, I'm, I'm done. What's the consensus on cranberry sauce? Because I think it's disgusting. What? Oh man, now it. You know what? You take what you do with your leftovers. You take some of the rolls that you get. Take a piece of turkey, slap it on there. You take some of the the, the dressing or stuffing wherever you you, you you're from. Then you take the cranberry sauce and put it on top of that. Got you a nice little Thanksgiving sandwich. Ugh. Well, oh, you talk, you talking my language right there, man. I just ate like about an hour ago, but you already making me hungry again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. All right, anyway. uh, all right. Jags lost to the Bills, twenty-eight, twenty-one. Uh, we're going to be talking about that game a little bit. Uh, another disappointing loss. But before we do that, uh, one thing that JK3 brought my attention prior to the podcast recording is uh, Telvin Smith, hashtag GQ Monday. He's got a cool hat. You want to describe that hat? It's a, it looks like an old school taxi cab driver. Um, if he wants to become an Uber driver in the off season, uh, I, I welcome it. But Telvin, I don't know, man. The suit looks good. You know, usually a stylish cat, but the hat, mm, I don't know, man. It's kind of like an old school, like, uh, comedian. Like, if you're at a, at a, like, the comedy zone and you can smoke inside of it and he's telling dry <laughs> jokes, that's what it is. Nah, man. Hey, Telvin, if, uh, Russell Westbrook can wear, uh, ice skating tights before the game, <laughs> you can wear that hat. Okay. All right. Don't, don't listen to him at all. If you, if you hear this, don't listen to him. All right. We're going to have to do re, we're going to do reoccurring fashion segments like this. Um, but first, before we started anything in the game, uh, specifically to the teams, let's talk about the refs a little bit because the post game, uh, radio that I listened to seemed to be split between whether the game was Gus Bradley's fault or it was the fact that we were completely, uh, screwed over by the referees. So, you know, one particular play that comes into mind that stands out among many different plays was the McCoy play towards the end where he obviously was stepping out of bounds. Um, I thought that was pretty significant, but Derek, like just to start out, like how significant do you think the referees played in the outcome of that game? Uh, you know, they, they played a part. Um, they use that uh, McCoy stepping out. What is it? When your forward progress gets stopped, you know, that's where they stop it as far as where the play goes. So if you go back and then get pushed out of bounds, they still do a rolling clock. Um, yeah, that definitely did not help our cause. But see, that's the thing. When you've been losing, that's what kind of calls happen to you. Losers get losing calls. That's pretty much it. Uh, and we, we can't blame it on that. There's a lot of stuff we're going to cover, but we, we can't put it on, on the refs. But the, the zebras definitely, yet again, you know, the zebras fail us once again. So you, you got to control what you can control. Uh, I mean, there were, there was, there was some, still some plays that were left on the field. Um, there were some plays that Hearns, he should have caught. Granted, you know, I love Hearns. I'm, I'm, he, he, he catches a hospital ball every game, 
But, you know, the one that's, you know, outstretched over his arms, you got to have that. And that play was deep in into the fourth quarter. Shouldn't have came down to that. Right. Did you guys see the point in which Gus Bradley actually had to kind of be told to shut up because he was yelling so much at the referee? I think he's kind of come unhinged a little bit now that it's gotten later and later in the season. I mean, we're about six weeks too late for that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're about six weeks too late for him to, you know, start showing a little bit of emotion and not being all rah-rah positive. I mean, you know, it, it's the reality is it's coming down to where he's arguably the statistically the worst coach in NFL history. Right. And, right. you know, we've got a couple of weeks left, and I don't see that changing at all. Yeah, no, I think it's done. And I think last week with him yelling at Senderic Marks and then this week yelling at the referee definitely seems like he's kind of gone off a little bit. But then even, and you know, we'll get to the offense here in a second, but even you said, and I saw it as well in the, in the post game press conference, Ryan O'Halloran had asked a question regarding the timeouts that he took and he seemed just kind of completely spaced out. I don't know if he's checked out at this point. He, he may be checked out. Who knows? But he just, he's not in it. And I think that the yelling at the refs was just overcompensation for the inevitable. Um, he's trying to take his frustrations out on someone. Uh, don't take it out on the refs because they're not helping us anyway and we're not helping ourselves. Right. So, uh, he should be more focused on the habits. Remember, I'm not going to say culture. I'm going to say habits. So that's what he should be more focused on. Right. But in terms of uh, kind of breaking down the offense and the defensive side, um, Derek, I know especially you had a, a fondness for the uh, style of running game that they started out with. Read option, man. I don't care how we do it. Just run the dang ball. And we did it. And it wasn't just Bortles. You know, Chris Ivory, had he not gotten hurt, you know, he not pulled that hammy, man, we could have done some real damage in the running game. We had a lot of yards. Running the football, I want to say it was it was pretty substantial, uh, 183 yards. Now, granted, a lot of those were Blake Bortles' keepers, but, hey, if they're going to crash down and try to get Ivory, take advantage of it. JK3, what, what, were, what were your thoughts on the fact that when, when Ivory was kind of knocked out of the game that the running game or the offense in general kind of stalled? Well, I, I think it didn't – I don't think it stalled. I think it definitely sputtered a little bit, but stalled wouldn't be the case because um, Ivory going out with a hamstring in- injury as, as we're literally running it down uh, the, the Bills' throat, it's such a Jaguars thing to happen. Um, you know, when we get the run established and we get things like that established, Koyak and Neil Sterling showed that they had the ability to get down the field in a hurry and also showed that they had the field awareness to get crucial first downs and – you know, and, and definitely, you know, set us up in better positions. Now, this may be a fluke, but I mean, I love Mercedes to death, but you know, JT, we, we may have, you know, an, a cheaper option. Granted, you know, we are already under the salary cap or whatever, but we may have some definite young playmakers and some young horses in that stable that, that can definitely, you know, get down the field and be, uh, you know, a, a security blanket for Blake. But that all comes whenever you establish the run. Well, I think Sterling, he even had a, like a potential big play that should have been, uh, that really should have been called pass interference in the second half too, didn't he? He had, he had a pretty good play, but you know, you, we, we can't say he should have been. We got to go ahead and we got to make the plays and, and, and keep it moving. That's, that's, that's the, the moral of it. Right. But what are your thoughts, Derek, on the passing game just in general with Bortles? You thought he kind of rebounded a little bit? He did rebound. Um, my personal opinion. This is probably one of the top games he's played of the season because he didn't hurt us. Now, 4.8 yards per completion doesn't help us either. So, you know, looking back at the tape, was there any plays downfield, you know, openings? Um, Sure, especially when Darby went out. You know, Darby's one of the better corners in the league. And when he went out, you know, they definitely, you know, needed to attack more. They finally were getting some back shoulder throws in, uh, getting A-Rob involved. Uh, Sterling made a great catch with his hands. I don't know if you guys saw that one, uh, but a great catch with his hands. Uh, hopefully he can lend those hams to Alan Hearns because he dropped the ball yet again. But uh, I, I just I, 
we got to get the ball more down the field. Uh, 4.8 is not going to cut it. Yeah, and then I think on the, the TV broadcast that even said that uh, as far as the offensive line goes, that they had Bortles had pretty good protection uh, for the most part during the game. Um, you know, I think Buffalo was ranked number one in sacks, right? I'm not sure. I don't know. JJ3, you know the answer to that one? I, I, I know they're pretty I, good. I'm not sure if they, they, they rank up there at number one in sacks, but I know that they, they do get after the quarterback. And, you know, it's a Rex, it's a Rex Ryan defense. And traditionally, Rex Ryan defenses have been, you know, pretty good defenses. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't, uh, you know, top three, at least in sacks. But I mean, he's also got some playmakers on that team. Um, he's got some exotic packages and especially with his brother there too. Uh, you know, they, they create a lot of pressure. They create some, you know, crazy mismatches and some crazy, uh, you know, blitz packages that allow them to, to loop a, a defensive lineman to where a linebacker can come in. Um, you know, I've even seen sometimes where I saw some of the interior linemen dropping back into coverage also, which was kind mm-hmm. of crazy, but, but it works. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah, I think I remember them mentioning that on the broadcast that they were surprised with how well we were playing against the Buffalo pass rush. Um, but, uh, so, and then zero turnovers, obviously, in the game, uh, obviously is pretty crucial. That's huge. That, that, I mean, that's, but, but one thing we're doing, we're, we're celebrating the fundamentals. You know, the fundamental is to not turn over the ball. Fundamental is to, to push the ball downfield. You know, and, and that's where this team lacks a, a lot of the things. You know, they they don't do the fundamentals very good at all. They really don't. And, you know, when you do the fundamental things correctly, instead of you finding ways to lose games, you find ways to win games. You, you have a play here and there where a tackle, where you break a tackle and the, the cookie starts to crumble in your lap, you know what I mean, and not off the table. Right. Yeah, the the, – the... Those habits, you know, you're in the National Football League. So those habits should be second nature. Like, like, like JK3 just said, celebrating the, 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 those little things. Those little things should already be happening, like, without even thinking. Um, that's like the next step that we, we, we need to take. Um, so, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no more, you, you can beat it, you know, beat it till it's, you know, dead, you know, but it's, that's what it is. It, we can't celebrate the little things not looking at the big picture, which is wins and losses. Right. And we definitely have more losses than wins. Yeah, and it looks like, uh, just kind of checking it, that after <clears throat> Sunday, Buffalo's now number two, but they were number one in sacks prior to uh, Sunday. Denver's number one now, which is the next team that we play. Oh, boy. No great. <laughs> so I know that generally, Derek, one of your biggest things that you harp on each game is, you know, time of possession. And, uh, there were a couple stats that, that you for sure think that because of, you know, how it played out, we should have won. Okay. I'm going to ramp it up a little bit. I've been quiet the last two questions. How in the world do we win time of possession by seven minutes, convert over 50% of our third downs and lose the game? Tell me. Please, <laughs> somebody. Reddit, iTunes, Twitter. I don't care. Does somebody tell me? How do we lose the game? You do everything that you're supposed to do. Granted, yeah, the passing numbers weren't there, but he didn't hurt us. He kind of played a Tyrod Taylor type game too. Hmm. You know, Tyrod Taylor plays a similar style, except Bortles did this once. Taylor does this every game. So you're yeah. figuring, well, how did we lose? Because in my opinion, just the attitude and the, and the habits that are brought to the team by the head coach. We settled as a team. Individuals may not settle. That's for sure. Cause there were definitely some outstanding individual performances by Telvin, by Bortles. We'll put that out there by, by Yannick. I mean, some outstanding individual performances, but right. as a team, we just didn't do it. Yeah. And I know, uh, one thing that kind of stood out, especially, um, and I think JK3 prior to us recording, you did especially mention this was the emotion from Bortles that we just haven't, the po- I guess I'll say the positive emotion that we've seen from Bortles that we haven't seen lately. Yeah. The, the team, you, you know, it, it, the team doesn't, he doesn't have that, that leadership quality to where he, he, he's a very, 
unemotional person. I mean, if you look at kind of like Jay Cutler, how people really don't think he's doing that good because he's just there, mediocre. He's just mad about it. It was great to see Blake having fun. It was great to see Blake, you know, running the ball and then actually looking down some of his tacklers. And then when he's out of bounds, just, you know, kind of giving him the, giving him the little Geico up. Oh, you you, you got to be quicker than that. You, you almost got me. You just got to be a little bit quicker, you know? And, and then when he threw the touchdown, I'm not sure if it was the first or the second touchdown that he threw. But the camera panned in on him, you know, basically yelling at the offense or yelling at the sideline, yelling at the coaches that, you know, he that he threw the touchdown. I mean, go back to London when he punted the ball in the end in, in, after he scored. Right. You know, let's let's just get that Blake back, that that fun Blake that we that we have back. But you know, winning cares all. I'm pretty sure he'd be a lot happier if we were winning games, and he'd be a lot happier if. You know, people, you know, weren't, weren't asking him why he's not a natural thrower of the ball and et cetera. <laughs> he, got, he got a little Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins esque in that game, I think. How do you like me? Oh, now? man. Oh, <laughs> yo, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, the ooh wee. And <laughs> how do you like me now? He, yo, he is the best guy to talk to or the best ad lib, whatever you want to call it at post game is hilarious. <laughs> right. And and the real know why Kirk Cousins is the best, not just because of his personality, because he knows he's got the Redskins right where he wants them. <laughs> have you heard of his contract situation? What they're gonna have to do? Yeah. <laughs> With that friend, that second franchise tag, he's gonna make money regardless. Now, granted, he'd want a guaranteed deal for more money, but man, see, and Bortles could be there. They're already talking about extending Carr, but well, Carr has Carr has Carr has wins. Yeah, yep, yeah. Kirk Cousins has Kirk Cousins has wings. Because if you were to tell me, I I don't think Amari Cooper is a good receiver. Michael Crabtree is a decent receiver. I I just never have really liked Michael Crabtree. But if you were telling me talent for talent that those two guys were better than the three we have, although Hearns is dropping balls lately, then you know it shows it now because they got wins. So you can say yeah. But just talent wise, I think we can compete with them as far yeah. as our receiving core. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, I agree. And like Bortles, uh, I, I can't recall, but I, I think he passed, uh, to, to, I think Mark Brunel was third with like 20 something touchdowns. And now he's third, uh, in terms of touchdowns, total touchdowns in a single season for the Jaguars. So, I mean, even if how bad the season's been, I mean, he still puts up the numbers in terms of our record books. And so I, you know, counting last year, I just, I'm still on the side of not giving up on him yet. I think maybe next offseason giving him a little bit of competition wouldn't hurt. But I think that, like you said, the receivers that we have, the quarterback that we have, maybe with a new head coach, maybe with a new offensive coordinator, we'll be able to do something. But you don't want you don't want what 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 is another Jaguars thing to happen is you know, and it's really hard to predict. It's definitely above my pay grade. But you you kind of don't know when to pull the trigger on getting someone who's just going to be a, a decent talent in the league, you know, for example, your Dak, your Dak Prescott, or you're, you're like, oh, we took Brandon Allen. So you just really never know and can never really gauge that that talent. I mean, and, unless you just have a crystal ball. And if you do, I need the next Powerball numbers, please. But, uh, I mean, you know, you just can't really, you can't really t- gauge it. You guys think that Hackett's made a pretty good contribution? At least probably this is probably the best game of his tenure as the offensive coordinator, right? Absolutely. I agree. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. Even though he looked like a garden gnome on, uh, on Sunday <laughs> with, oh, yeah. with, the scully, with the scully on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, I just don't, I just, and maybe it's a gut feeling more than anything. I just feel like we have the guys and I feel like Bortles is the guy. And I think people were too quick to turn on him. I just think he's been a product of the negativity and the the kind of the garbage season that we've had this year. And he's not the only one that's been bad. I mean, it's kind of been across the board. You you know, you talk about that and, um, you know, players uh, that have been struggling, like for instance, Rashard Green, let's bring him up. Right. Uh, dropping punt returns. Um, that's not the first one he's dropped. He's definitely dropped more and lost some. And he was uh, the top season. punt returner in the league last year. Yeah. It, I mean, come on. No matter how good you are as a player, you can play up or down uh, to how your team's going. It's almost like running in a race. You know, Deion Sanders used to say, I had next man speed. 
I didn't have four two speed. I had next man, which means if somebody was faster, they ran a faster forty, put him up against me. I bet you I'm going to beat him. Hmm. So it's that it's that you know that environment that you're you're in. So the Jags are like not they're not even next man speed. They're like down of speed. So right. everybody on the team is sinking down to that level. You know, whether they don't believe in Gus no more, they're just getting down or, you know, they know Bortles is doing whatever besides studying the playbook. So they're like, you know, if they don't really care, I don't care. Just give me my check so I can go get paid, get me some hats and suits and whatever and some Gucci or whatever it is they get and have a good day. You know, well, and that's that's why I think that you know it's not just Bortles, it's Allen Robinson, it's uh, Allen Hearns, it's Rash, you know, Rashad Green. I mean, it just seems like there's just a consistent, aside from a couple of the breakout guys that we've had this year, there's definitely it's definitely not just Bortles. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I think the focus is on him a little too much. Not saying he hasn't had bad games and some bad plays, but I think that what we have is good talent wise. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think what triggered everything was was against that loss against uh, Tennessee. Yeah, like that loss from against Tennessee. First of all, they're they're a rival, but then you know you just start thinking, man, we're we're literally we're mathematically you know uh, uh, out right now. This is one of those things where now people start playing for themselves individually, not worrying or you know not getting hurt. Um, making sure that they, you know, put up enough individual stats to warrant that next payday. Uh, it, you know, now it's just a team of me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I saw one of the other podcasts or blogs had mentioned that, you know, throwing Caldwell in the same boat as Bradley, but I still kind of, and again, this is maybe more gut feeling more than anything, but I still think that we have pretty decent talent. One statistic that I thought was kind of interesting, Marquise Lee, first 32 uh, games of an NFL career, two touchdowns, last two games, two touchdowns. And then what was your guys' thought on the t- the timeout with uh, Blake Bortles where it was like fourth and three or four, and, uh, and it was a delay game penalty that was called? Like, I mean, should Gus step in there, or do you think Bortles, is that just another sign of his kind of lack of game awareness sometimes? Well, I- I'm going to say this, and I want to pass this off to JK3 because he – he just hints, I'm going to go backwards here. Yeah, you should have got a timeout in. What in the heck are you doing uh, getting a delay of game penalty? That's just stupid. That's the habits right there. That's a big one. That's a capital H habit. And then two, with Lee starting to come about, is he really playing for the team? Right. Or like JK3 just said, is he playing for his next deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, contract he just said it, yeah. yeah. The, the albino tiger is in a contract year. Mercedes Lewis was in a contract year when he set that record. Rasheed Mathis was in a contract year when he went to the Pro Bowl. Pro, Pro, excuse me, Pro Bowl. He's in he's in contract year mode. I mean, you can't blame the guy because I mean, at the end of the day, he's trying to get that next payday. He's been hurt for the his almost his entire year or his entire tenure as a Jaguar. Like you just said, two touchdowns. And now he's got two. He's trying to show that he has it, whether it be him auditioning for the Jags or the next team that needs a number three or a number two receiver. I mean, and, and that's what it's for. And of course, if I'm Gus and I know that that timeout's coming, I know one that my quarterback isn't really the most game aware quarterback and he's an emotional guy. Cause you see what happens when they, that, that, uh, that delay of game, Bortles threw his head back and his arms went to flailing like he always does. Typical Bortles. If I'm Gus, I'm running onto the field. I'm running to the referee to get that timeout. I am screaming. I am right. doing – I'm throwing popcorn on the field. I'm doing whatever I can to get that referee's attention to make sure I get this timeout call, period. And then I'm regrouping right. with Blake, letting him know this is the play that we need. We need four, get five. Don't throw the ball directly at the sticks. Throw it three feet in front of the sticks. Get the first down, and let's win this ball game. That's not, that's not what's happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. here's an interesting well, point, though, JK3, uh, Corey. Mm-hmm. You said Bortles isn't that game aware. Is our coach not game aware either? He, yeah. he didn't know that he called a timeout. You get, you get, you get, you get six in a game, three and a half. And you didn't know you couldn't account for one. And then when you get asked about it, you look like a deer in the headlights. Like literally a Mack truck is about to come hit you and your life is flashing before your eyes and you have no idea what's going on. 
I mean, I, I, I'm with everyone else when they say that, you know, Gus Bradley is a positive guy and, and all this and everything else like that, but he's won 14 games. And I chalked, I chalked the first two seasons up because we were getting rid of all the trash that Gene Smith brought in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think somebody had tweeted that Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn's the Falcons coach and he's already beaten, uh, Gus Bradley's, uh, amount of wins in just two seasons in Atlanta. So cool. Um, that's good. And that's another Seattle defensive coordinator, right? Did we get the wrong one? We got the happy go lucky one. <laughs> well, the thing with the timeout too in the press conference, cause you were referencing the O'Halloran, uh, question again, uh, where Gus kind of blanked is they asked him about this timeout as well. And his response was, well, I thought we'd get it off. So it's just like, huh, well, that's good. Yeah. You, you, you ever been, you ever been, and, and I may be, I may be questioning, uh, you all's character, but you ever been caught in a lie and you need to like, what? You need to ask a question again just to try to get your life set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll admit it. Like you need, you need a twist break. Yeah. <laughs> Someone to come in and press pause so you can think that's that's what that was. That was a Gus Bradley twist break. He had no idea what he he knew had been caught and it was what? Oh, you mean oh wait, what time out again? Which one? Oh yeah, 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 that one. See what happened, baby? Was that I I forgot to plug my phone in. <laughs> So when I got home, it was off. That's why I didn't receive your text message. But I'm home now. You know, it was one of those. It was one yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah, no, he he definitely is a uh, uh, definitely was thinking, and he was probably thinking like, please don't ask that question. Please don't ask that question. Please, oh dang, they asked that question. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I guess fire Gus Bradley is kind of like a played out topic at this point. But I will say it does seem like the media strongly is turning because Gene Fernet had written an article. I don't know if you read it. Um, I don't know if it was that night or this morning where he pretty much said that Khan, no matter what he's predisposed to do at this point, just needs to go ahead and cut the cord and kind of do what we had talked about before and kind of generate some of that artificial enthusiasm by having a different coach the rest of the way. Cause I'll tell you right now on social media, there's nothing but people trying to sell their tickets for the Denver game. So that turnout's not going to be great except for maybe, you know, the Denver fans. But uh once one quick side note before we get into the defense, what's your guys' thoughts and JK3, because I know you're especially into the, the social media side of things. What's your guys' thoughts on the the outrage about the team selling um other teams' merchandise in the stadium? Because that like blew up into a huge ordeal. That is a for sure fire way to lose your fans. That I, I've I've been to a couple of away games. I've been to some places to to watch the Jags play, and I've never seen a Jaguar shirt being sold anywhere that I've been to. I and, and I'm going to take it a step further. I went to the Mall of America, the Mall of America, to their New Era store, thinking I was going to find something exclusive because I'm a fitted hat kind of guy. And there was one hat there, right. and it was last year's draft hat, the year that I went. So it wasn't anything current. So that tells you how how well the Jags are received all you know all over the NFL. Secondly, you want to try to you you really want to try to get rid of your fan base. You know, it, it's one thing to have everyone traveling here to Jacksonville, and I get a lot of people here in Jacksonville are transplants. You know, they like the Jags when their team isn't playing them. Or you get some people who look at Jacksonville as like a good destination city. It's by the beach. It's, it's cheap, cheaper than most places to, to, to visit. Um, you know, all around Southern hospitality, you're going to have nice people. So I can wear my Denver Broncos, you know, stuff out all over the city and everyone's like, Oh, you're here for the game. Oh man, that's great. Great to have you in town there, buddy. Welcome to Jacksonville. Here's some, here's some fried pickles and some fried gator, you know. Some stuff like that, and then you, you'll never see that. In, sorry, I go off on a tangent. That really bothers me. <laughs> I really <laughs> fried I, pickles and fried gator. I, I love those two combinations together, but I hate the fact that they're selling opponents' merchandise in in the stands. I I hate it. Absolutely hate it. You ain't lying. You, you know, the the most covered event the last month has been our presidential election. And we're not going to comment on anything about that because this is a football Whoa. podcast. <laughs> but I would say if they were selling other teams' merchandise in Pittsburgh's uh, Heinz Field, that would have been the number one covered 
item in the media over the election because the fans probably would have tore the whole city apart. Like that's how serious they are about it up there. So it's yeah. like, you know, how come we're not serious, you know, as a, as a team ownership, you know, and our, our, our team leaders, uh, as far as the front office, how can we let something like that happen? Now I get cons about the league, not just the team. He's got, he's like leading the charge for the owners, for teams to play in Europe. He's about money. And I understand that. But right. if you're letting money come before pride, let's start the second, you know, second guess, you know, yo, are you really down for the city or are you just trying to make money off us? Off us? What, what, what would have been, what would have been completely appropriate and I would have been, you know, okay with it. I don't know where you guys park for the Jags games or whatever, but usually, uh, sports mania local store, they usually have like a little tent set up and they do like a tent sale with like beads. It's usually in the tailgaters parking lot or whatever. I would much rather welcome, you know, Shad Khan asking the owner of sports mania, how does opponents gear sell? I mean, it's all NFL licensed gear. What makes you think that someone is going to come that's a Denver or a, a Broncos fan is going to come without a shirt into the stadium and say, oh, man, I don't have a shirt. Man, let me go ahead and buy this $47 Nike dry fit tee here <laughs> in the stadium. And now I've got a shirt. I've only I've bought one thing in that one piece of uh, one clothing article in that in that uh, stadium. And that was in like 08 when it was ridiculously cold and I didn't bring a hoodie. I, I brought a long sleeve shirt and I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear this hoodie. I mean, I don't mind spending the, the $57 for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That stuff's expensive. I bought a hat there the last game and it was like $35 mistake. Unreal. Unreal, man. Yeah. I don't, my thing is, and then I'll shut up about this. I don't know that I really care because I feel like it's like not even that much in the stadium, like section wise. And I mean, from a profitability standpoint, they must have seen some value in selling it. So for like for the team's sake to make additional revenues, I mean, no, I don't know. Maybe no, I'm not looking at no. it. No, it's all about pride, man. It's all about pride. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like when you have football practice as a kid, whether if it's, you know, Peewee, Pop Warner, middle school, high school. You know, one of the things you don't do is you don't put your helmet down on the ground. You always carry your mm -hmm. helmet. Whether if you have it mm -hmm. on or you got it in your hands, you always have your helmet. That's almost like putting your helmet down on the ground. It's like no pride. Yeah, we're going to let Denver, we're going to sell Denver jerseys in here. Yeah, but I mean, that's it's all about pride. Well, as uh, Tupac once said, I'm trying to make a dollar out oh of 15 gosh. cents. It's hard oh to be legit God. and still pay the rent. <laughs> so is it the money or is it the pride? Is it the money or is it the pride? Because I'm thinking it's the money. I don't know. Hey, man. Pride pride is uh, it's one of the seven deadly sins, and uh, I'll hold on to that one. <laughs> I ain't coming out for less than 100 thou, Nicki Minaj. Oh. <laughs> All right. Derek, do you want to uh, – yeah. Derek, you want to get started the with the defense? defense? My man, Ngakwe, Malik Jackson, they got after it. They really got after it. Five sacks, really? And not from blitzes? From like just straight up getting after the quarterback? A mobile quarterback at that? <laughs> we lost the game, but that deserves a round of applause. I would have never yeah. thought that in a million years. But that we might have a nice tandem right there with those two. I know Fowler's yeah. supposed to be the guy, but uh, come on. Yeah, man, I, I I can't I can't rave enough about um, Ngakwe. Man, he he is just he's he's got a motor. Um, you know he he can't be he he can't be stopped. But tell you, man, my 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 season MVP. If we if we did ever if the Jags ever you know if they come out with a defensive MVP or somebody, it, it, it's going to my man Telvin. That that guy literally gets me fired up watching football. I, I mean, he gets me hyped. I love watching him cover from sideline to sideline. I love watching him make the tackles. I love the job that he did on Shady. You know, Shady is one of those, just he's just one of those running backs that you can, you can just hope to contain. You're not going to stop him. And if you do stop him, you know, your team better win the game. And he was eating his lunch the entire first half. Couldn't have said it better myself. Telvin's awesome. Just awesome. That's just what it is. And you know, we know blooded. 
Sorry, JKP, I got to throw one in there for you Gators because uh, they, they caught a quick beat down this weekend. But, uh, oh, man. They got the hands. Yeah. They got oh, the hands. yeah, they, they, they got them hands on, and, and a lot more and a couple feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple, they got, uh, you know, they, they definitely got beat. But, you know, Telvin Smith is uh, a <laughs> he's a just a he's a leader. Uh, he definitely comes comes and puts the hat on every day. Uh, there's one play in particular, obviously the McCoy 75 yard touchdown run. Um, besides that, he didn't have nothing. I saw Telvin Smith at least on three occasions, minimum knife through and put McCoy on his butt. But on that, uh, 75 yard touchdown run, the cutback lane was wide open. And I know Ramsey and Gibson are getting flack for that because they were both right there. They're both not afraid to hit somebody, and they just missed and whiffed. They kind of actually hit each other. But I don't blame either one of them. I blame Tyson Alualu. And I'll tell you why. Because although McCoy was lined up to the left when he's, you know, facing a Jags defense, he was lined up to the left. They were in kind of a pistol formation. I don't think it was a complete shotgun. It was almost, it was kind of short, so it might have been a, uh, it, it was shotgun, but McCoy's to the left, but they were shorter than the normal depth of a shotgun snap. Um, he, he kind of just handed it to him to the left and McCoy basically took two steps and cut it back to the right. And I get that Ramsey and Gibson were right there, but why did Alu, Tyson Alu Alu let the dude, the tackle take him all the way to the left? Like he just kind of dove. He didn't. He, the tackle didn't have to do anything. He had to block. He just dove. So there went your backside. You know, Ramsey was probably responsible for him bouncing all the way outside, which Ramsey had him completely cut off. And what did he do? He went right down that lane where, in my opinion, Alu Alu should have been it. Well, if you listen to Tony Baselli, he completely disagrees with you and thinks that Gibson and Ramsey just kind of gave up and were just staring at him. Well. If that's the case, if they just kind of gave up and, and stared, you know why they kind of gave up and stared at him, in my opinion? is because they thought somebody should have been there. You know, their job was to protect right. the outside. I mean, if you got the, the safeties coming all the way up to stop the run, um, I forget what down and distance it was, but if you got the safety in the corner coming all the way up there to play gap containment on the line, that's crazy. I bet you any amount of money they thought Tyson Alualu would be there, and all their job was is to just make sure he does not get outside. Yeah, with with a with a back like Shady and, and some of your other uh, elusive backs, you you gotta implement that on film study on day one. You need to go on YouTube and literally look at his highlights and see that's how he makes his bread and butter. He's the cutback, and whenever no one's home, that's when he'll hurt you. When he's when everyone's at home, everyone's playing contained, and everyone just game tackles and corrals. That's what the that's what the defense was doing in the in the first quarter, or excuse me, first half. They everyone stayed at home. There wasn't a lot of upfield pursuit because they know that Ty, Tyrod Taylor will just run up the pocket and he could beat you that way. They didn't want to give up, um, you know, any anything with Shady, any kind of you know backdoor cuts or anything because he has superior field vision. And it, it just thinks that that one time that it happened, you know, 75 yards down the field. And once a back like that, once he gets out in the open, he's got next man speed. He's literally going to go faster than your next guy. And then that, that, that guy's taking the angle. He's outrunning that guy. And then he's going to downshift and then punch it into the end zone for 75 yards. That's exactly what happened. Yep. Hey, get this. 18 carries for 28 yards. That's what he had without that 75-yard run. 18 carries for 28 yards. Huh, that's interesting, actually. You know why? Because gap containment, and basically what they did, because it was Cyprian and it was Telvin. It was a little bit of both of them. And because Cyprian hit him a couple times, too. Everybody stayed home, and those two went and got him because they have the speed to go get him. But once he gets out in the open, like, cause Telvin was, they definitely ran to the opposite side of Telvin and they did that multiple times in the second half. They stayed away from him. They stayed away from their left side. But once he got past, um, Gibson and Ramsey, those two guys are probably the only two on the team that are fast enough to catch him in the open field. 
and he ran. I mean, Cyprian, I mean, he's playing better. He kind of messed up a couple times this game, but he's not catching him. And like, it just, it just ain't going to happen. So they can, I mean, Baselli, obviously, man, he's a, you know, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer, nothing but respect for him. You know, we're just fans having fun. But in my opinion, Tyson Alualu gap containment. There's no way in the world Gibson and Ramsey were there filling holes on gap containment. They were just there to make sure he didn't get to the outside. All right. Well, I definitely, and this is for you, Derek, for sure. What happened to Jalen Ramsey on that long pass? All right. Cause people on Twitter were, were saying they were about to get the little crying Jordan memes ready on that one. So was that, uh, Tyron threw a that. dime. He threw a 60 yard dime. Sammy Watkins didn't even break stride. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, Ramsey was there. He was right there. The only way that ball could have been placed where, where Watkins could have got it was right over the top of his head, right in Sammy Watkins arms as he's running full speed down the field. And that's exactly where Tyrod put it. So hats off to him. You're not going to win every play. And Sammy Watkins ain't no chump either. You know, he's not, he's not a chump. He's a really good player when he's not injured. Yeah. Sammy, uh, I mean, that, that, that ball was, that, that was, that was a, that was a Michael Vick ball. That was, that was a ball that came out, um, with, with some zip on it, you know, mustard, whatever you want to call it. And he put it exactly where he needed to. I mean, there, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, if, if Jags fans want to get mad at Jalen for giving up that play, let's go back to the last, you know, uh, eight or nine weeks where he's locked down elite receivers and then also won the game on a breakup with Alshon Jeffrey a couple weeks ago in Chicago. So let's not forget that. I mean, it was just a perfectly thrown ball. Nothing you can do about it. Nothing at all. And he had safety help over top. So that's why he was lagging. Okay. Gibson was right there. He was about five yards away. So if they were to throw that ball, they would say he'd throw it a little bit further in on the sideline. And then Gibson could have made a play on it. You know, they were, they were in a cover two or was it? Cover one or cover two man. It might have even been just cover one because I think Gibson was the only person back there. But he was there. But you you can't even blame Gibson really because yeah. he needs to shade Prince Amukamara because yeah. in, in, in most times Prince is the one getting actually destroyed and not Jalen. Jalen is usually good on an island by himself. And, no, and he still is good on an island by himself. I'm not going to let one play, you know, hurt the kid or anything or, or change my opinion or anything else like that about it. But – it, it was just one of those plays that that happened, and when it happens, you know they 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 make the play. Sammy Watkins is is elite. He he makes the play. It's just one of those things where the cookie crumbled in their lap. Mm-hmm. Perfect route, perfect ball. End of story. You know that's just yeah. Yeah, and I think I think most people were actually kidding about that because I will say, like after that play, he's probably the only player the entire season that's given up a big play, and everybody was like, "Oh, it's cool, don't worry about it." Like we're good with you. I think people were writing to him even saying, "Like we still love you" and all this kind of stuff. So, um, so it's fine. But I will say one thing: I definitely want to find the uh, GIF or GIF of is that Ramsey tackle on McCoy in the first half. That like. Think you, JK3, you call it like a spine buster? Oh, or man, something? that's something you used to do whenever your little brother, you act like you throw him off the ropes, and then you pick him up and just boom him, and you give him a stinger, and then he's crying, and you just tell him, you know, you got to put your put your hands over his mouth real quick for mom coming there and whoop everybody. But yeah, man, I mean that was that was such a that that play right there, and I, I talked to a couple of my coworkers about it. But there's this thing called momentum. When, when you do that, when you come in and lay the smack down on someone like that at the beginning of the game, that sets your defense up. That lets everyone know that it is time to play. Okay, Jalen, we see you making the plays. Now we're going to go out and we're going to make the play. We're going to make the next big play. And, and, and that's what Telvin does. And that's what a lot of the, you know, the other defensive linemen like Malik, they come over and, you know, everyone's smacking everybody in the helmet and everything and they're getting back to the next play. And I think that that chemistry is why our defense has, you know, kind of outshined the offense uh, uh, this year. Yeah. Right. You, you know, uh, those game changers are, uh, they're rare. They're really rare when you have players that can make plays that change your, the momentum, the culture, the, the, the 
the habits and I said the, the culture, I would said, I wouldn't say that, but, um, it, it, he, Ramsey just makes, you know, he makes those plays, you know, time and time again, he made him at Florida state, you know, he's made him here. You know, he's won a game on a play after getting dogged the whole first half. Um, yeah, it, it's going to happen. Uh, he, he's going to continue to make those plays. He's going to, he's going to work hard and, his attitude and positivity along with Telvin, um, along with, you know, Yannick and Gakwe, that's what we need. We, we hopefully, you know, we, we continue to, uh, if we can get past the coaching, you know, once the season's over and we get rid of the coach, um, we feed off of that and we get a coach that knows how to grow that intensity and spread it amongst the other players and get in their head. And let them we'll let them see what winning football is all about. Right, safe to say the pieces are there for Nick Saban to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> in 2017. No, right, guys? No, 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 oh, no, God. Big no, signing. No. no, Nick Saban is a great coach. He's a great college coach. Okay, I don't think it would work in the National Football League. I could be wrong. You know, most people I think. What was it Cleveland Browns? They want the whole Alabama football team to come represent them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They said there was a guy in the stands that said, we want Bama. Yeah. Well, people think they want Bama to play. And he's like, no, we want the whole team to come play as the Browns. Is what he was saying. So be careful what you wish for because you drafted yeah. Trent Richardson. You see what happened there. So. Well, and we'll certainly do episodes, I'm sure, directly after Black Monday on coaching candidates, uh, cause I'm pretty confident. I think we all are that that's going to happen at this point. Um, but I will tell you, tell you, like my sleeper guy that I've always wanted us to sign just because I thought he was like so fun to watch at, um, Texas Tech and he's in Washington State now is that weird guy, Mike Leach with all that like pirate memorabilia and like. Oh man, that's a strange that guy. guy. Is crazy. Yeah, that's he, a strange he's, guy, man. He, he, he's nutty. You remember those snacks when you were in elementary school and middle school, nutty buddies? That's what he is, yeah, nutty yeah. buddy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Blake, Blake Bortles would be throwing like 10 touchdowns, 800 yards a game. We'll be losing, but we'll be scoring a lot of points. Nah. That'd be cool. Um, I'd rather look bad and win than look good and lose. Okay. That's a quote from a movie. We won't go there, but, uh, that, that's, uh, I'd rather, I'd rather get some wins. At least give me some form of hope midway through the season that we have a shot at the playoffs. Why can't we go there, by the way? Is it like a questionable movie or something or? Oh, no, it's, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's white, it's white men can't jump. <laughs> Ooh. Racist. Yeah, see, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, that's the, na- the name of the movie. So. <laughs> it's not racist if it's a fact. Yeah. Oh, that's like also racist. I, yeah, feel like. I don't say anything. I, I got some, uh, I got some good buddies of mine that are that are uh, uh, Caucasian American that can jump out the gym. So I'm gonna say it at that. Uh, yeah, like me. You've, you've seen that. Uh, anyway, next topic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, just to kind of conclude only because I'm going to throw this to Derek because he has the conclusion in capital letters, bold, <laughs> 50 exclamation marks. What's your concluding statement on that last game? How did we not win this game? We did almost everything right except for the most important topic, which is win the game. Um, I think two things. The McCoy long touchdown coming out in the second half gave Bill, the Bills momentum and got, definitely got the crowd back into it because the crowd was kind of stunned that they weren't crushing us. And the second thing is there were some key special teams plays, and I know this is really getting down into the nitty-gritty of it, but I think Tate had a long uh, punt or kick return um, that changed the field. Um Starting uh starting drive changed the field on, for for Buffalo. Um, that's huge. That's really big. So two things, and it's amazing how when you don't turn the ball over, and Buffalo didn't turn the ball over at all, how one or two plays can end up winning the game for you. And I think the punt return and McCoy's touchdown run won the game for him. Not even Sammy Watkins' long, long catch really didn't hurt us that bad. Uh, but, cause, but the, uh, but those two things did change field position and 
got him seven points on the next drive too. Yeah, JK3, final thoughts on the game? You know, I, I'm a I, – I, the reason why we didn't win is because of takeaways. Um, you know, the team – at this point right now, I think the defense knows, and I think the defense is held to a standard where they're doing everything right and they're not taking away the ball. Um, whenever you get a team where you know they're going to run the ball or you know that they do one thing really well, uh, you, you got to force some takeaways. You, you really do. We had one takeaway with, uh, that was called back. You know, Shady had a fumble. Uh, clearly he was down. That would have been a momentum swing for us. Uh, Gibson had an interception that he made great effort on, but, uh, I think it was, uh, pass interference. I think Cyprian or some, maybe Cyprian yeah. got there early. I may be misquoting that, but bottom line is, you got to get the ball back. You got to take takeaways are are what's huge, and you know we're not getting takeaways, and you know I, that that's it. You get a takeaway that turns into a house call, that turns into you know your defense putting up points, and you know that's one less down. You got to worry about the uh, proverbial Bortles pick six, right? Well, and I'll say, uh, can't wait for the refs to apologize for all the mistakes, even though it doesn't help us whatsoever. And the, it was good to see the improvements from the offense. So that's kind of exciting. Rex Ryan, screw that guy. He's annoying. And Rob Ryan needs to cut his hair. He looks ridiculous. Rex Ryan has a foot fetish. Y'all know that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that on, uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> He was on the treadmill. Finish. I remember that. And that's been our fun fact of the day. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for the podcast. Remember, guys, you know all the many things that we're on. I already said that. But please, if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and review because it definitely helps quite a bit. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time. All right, guys. Take care. Take it easy, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.